morning, Grace City. My name is James Sink. This is my wife, Brittany Sink. And this morning, I have a testimony of wonder to share as we light the first Advent candle. In September, Brittany and I entered a new season for our family as foster parents. We did so knowing we had the support of our friends and our family and our community, but I don't think we knew how much we'd really need them and all the ways in which we would be supported. To name a few, we received meals, clothes, toys, any supplies you could think of for raising a baby. I got food poisoning one day after church and our community was there at the drop of a hat to, take, to help take care of the baby and me. You've prayed for us throughout it all and shown love to him as if he were your own. Brittany and I have sat in wonder with each other on multiple occasions during this time, reflecting on the blessings from the Lord. We've never felt such emotional exhaustion, and at the same time, felt such moments of joy and love. It's the tension that we hear about sometimes. <laughs> so I want to say thank you to all of you, and all of you are a part of this story. It is with this sense of wonder of what God can do in and through our community that we light this first Advent candle. The scripture reading for this uh, candle lighting is from Psalm 100, a psalm for giving grateful praise. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth, Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. The word of the Lord. Grace City, we are in the Advent season entitled, uh, and we entitled this series, Wonder. Over the next four weeks, we'll be looking at the wonder of Jesus Christ. See, the word Advent means to stand in expectation of something. Expectations is the posture of faith that is standing in hope in times of uncertainty. Anybody know last year there were some times of uncertainty? But we as believers stood in hope. Somebody say amen. We live 
and survived a season of uncertainty, but our faith didn't bring us some of the way, but somebody say it brought us all the way. Amen, amen, amen. So we stand in hope, and as a part of our faith tradition, we know 2,000 years ago, the people, the Jewish people stood in hope for a Messiah, a Savior, a King, a Redeemer, while in the darkest moments of their lives, they stood expecting God to rescue his people. And I'm so glad this morning that even after a pandemic, God's people have been rescued just like 2,000 years ago. But God's answer to their expectation was giving Jesus, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, found in a manger, witnessed by shepherds, magi, kings, and left people in wonder. Can I ask you a question this morning? Are you still in wonder of Jesus Christ? Do you still stand in awe of this beautiful, beautiful God that we serve, the wonder of his love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish and have everlasting life. Do you stand in wonder of his grace, the unmerited, undeserved favor of God? It is by grace that we are saved, not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. Do you stand in wonder, Judy, of his mercy, his compassion, his love for his people? Do you stand in wonder, Nicole, of his forgiveness, the God that forgives us for all of our wrong? Do you stand in wonder of his sacrifice, that the God was willing to die for you and me? Do you stand in wonder this morning? Jesus was God's answer to meeting the people's expectation and church, it left them in wonder. The word nanda means to stand in awe. When we come into worship, coming together as one community, do we stand in awe of God? Are you still in awe of the God who sent his son and redeemed the world? Are you still in awe of the God who was born of a virgin, came to humanity to take on the sins of the world? Are you still in awe of the God who died for you and me? Maybe you no longer see wonder anymore this morning because God didn't meet your expectations the way you thought he should. Maybe you're not in awe no longer this morning because you've gotten so familiar with God that in the narrative no longer excites you anymore. Maybe you're no longer in awe this morning because you have gotten caught up in the wrappings of Jesus. You know, during that time, they got caught up in the wrappings of Jesus. But I come to tell you this morning, don't do like the Jews, Jewish people 2,000 years ago. Get caught up in the wrappings and miss that he is the gift of God. Tell somebody, don't get caught up in the wrappings. See, they were caught up in the wrappings because they were looking for someone wrapped as a warrior, but he came as a suffering servant. They got caught up in the wrappings because they were looking for a king wrapped with earthly royalty, but he came wrapped in a blanket lying in a manger. They were looking for a king wrapped with weapons to destroy their enemies, but he came wrapped to redeem their enemies. During this season of expectation, do you still 
stand and wonder of Jesus. And if you do, the psalmist this morning says in Psalms 100, you ought to respond. <laughs> Those who stand and wonder of God should have a response. Can I ask you a question this morning? What's your response to the God that saved the world? What kind of response do you have? Those, <laughs> this is my message, I'm in the text. Who stand and wonder of Christ should respond with thanksgiving, gratitude that matches your wonder. Let me pray. Our Father and our God, thank you so much for this time together. Thank you for the privilege and honor to share hearts and minds. Thank you for your word. Thank you for how you are a God of our salvation. Now, God, I pray that you would guide us, lead us, direct us. And we give you praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Our focus text this morning is verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise him. My title this morning is Thanksgiving is Wonder's Response to God. Thanksgiving is Wonder's Response to God. Rashima, when you came to church this morning, how did you enter? Did you enter out of obligation or did you enter with adoration? Did you enter with sadness or did you enter with gladness? Did you enter complaining or did you enter contemplating? Did you enter with worry or did you enter to worship? Did you enter with hopelessness or did you enter hopeful? Did you enter with fear or did you enter with faith? Did you enter with an attitude or did you enter with gratitude? Did you enter expecting to be bored or did you enter expecting joy? Did you enter, how did you enter this morning? The psalmist says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. The question this morning, if you're thankful, you ought to show it this morning. How did you enter church this morning? Come on, y'all. Your, your wonder should be a reflection of your thanksgiving. That's, what I'm, that's all I'm preaching this morning. Ray City, <laughs> the reality is that if God has done anything for you this morning, you ought to have a praise of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is wonder's response to God. The praise of thanksgiving is not just emotional. It is cerebral. It, thanksgiving and praise is cerebral. What do you mean it's cerebral? I promise you, if you start thinking, you will stop thinking. I promise you, if you start thinking, you will start thinking. Think about this. He woke you up this morning. 
started you on your way, put food on your table, clothes on your back, you in your right mind, you should be cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, but look at God. I dare you to start thinking, and I promise you, you'll start thinking. <laughs> it's a cerebral thing. <laughs> it's just not emotional. I dare you to start thinking, <laughs> and I promise you, you'll start thinking. I dare you to think about where you were last Thanksgiving <laughs> and where you are this Thanksgiving. <laughs> I dare you to think about where you were emotionally last year and where you are emotionally this year. I'm just here to tell you, if you start thinking, I promise you, you'll start thinking. I didn't make this up. The late Bishop G.E. Patterson put it this way. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul cries out hallelujah and I thank God for what's saving me. I promise you, church, it's cerebral. If you start thinking, I promise you, you'll start thinking. Why? Because Thanksgiving is wonder's response to God. Paul put it this way, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. What is Thanksgiving? It's adoration. It's appreciation. Do anybody in the room have adoration and appreciation for the God that has saved us, transformed us, changed us, made us new this morning. See, when my grandmother, sister from New York, with my Aunt Janie and what I call my Aunt Berta, and I, I have one of them African-American houses, so it looks different a little bit, so let me just kind of explain it a little bit. When Aunt Janie and Aunt Berta would come down from New York, I would be up in my room, and all of a sudden, I would hear this great noise, this scream, this holler, because my grandmother's sisters from New York had come to Baltimore around Thanksgiving, Christmas, and in the summertime, and they would do this shouting thing. They would just shout and scream and run around and just, Janie Burner, just this whole little thing that goes on in my family. Um, because they act this way because they are excited to be in each other's presence. They are so, they are just excited to be in the presence. And, and I, I get it. Maybe you, you, you don't come from that kind of family. Um, so let me kind of put it this way. Have you ever seen that commercial where the military or the military man or woman comes and he goes to surprise someone and the people walk up and they just scream. Some of them kneel, some of them cry because they are so excited to be in the presence of someone they miss. Grace City, here's a question for you this morning. When we are in the presence of God, the creator of the universe, the savior of the world, the resurrected king, the one that's willing to dive and save your sin, pay the price for your sin, how much more should we celebrate when we enter God's presence of the almighty, powerful God? I believe the psalmist put it this way. I was glad 
when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Family, after we've been through all we've been through, after we go through life, putting our faces on, doing all the stuff we have to do in this world, when we come to church, it should be the place where we can connect together and celebrate God for getting us through all that life brings. And our text this morning, the psalmist knows, who knows, has, we know is David, writes the psalm of praise. He is informing his audience what a response should be when you're in the presence of God. He opens by commanding them to make a joyful noise. The word that used here is noise for Hebrew is the word ru'ah. It means to shout for joy. Ru'ah, which represents giving God all that you have. Don't get caught up in the emotionalism, more so that the point here, your shout should be a representation that when you come in his presence, you've given God all that you have. Let me tell you, you, you know the story. Remember when Joshua went to, fought the battle of Jericho and he walked around, what, seven times? And he said, on the seventh time, I want you to do what? Ru'ah. I want you to shout. I want you to shout for your deliverance. I want you to shout for what God has done for you. I want you to shout. I want you to give God your best at that moment of your life. Can, can I ask you a question, church? When is the last time you've given God your best shout for your deliverance? Good God Almighty. Has God delivered you from anything? Because every now and then, you need to shout. Uh, don't get cute on me. You'll shout out them children, but when you shout at your God for being so good... If I'm on your street, just, just, just keep on moving. Just keep on moving. He opens a command to make a joyful noise. Ru'ah. Shout. Praise God for delivering you from what you had to go through. And I don't know about you. When I open up my mouth and give God praise for my deliverance, and when I look up, look at myself standing in this pulpit that I don't deserve to stand to preach to nobody, but God could take a vessel like me and deliver his word to his people. Let me tell you something. I give God a praise every time I come into this sanctuary. The word ruah means to make a joyful noise. But not only is it a joyful noise, but he says to all the land, everybody, every creation, Everything God has ever created should be giving God a praise because thanksgiving is wondrous response to God. The idea is that the psalmist is that our praise is not partial. It is without restraint. We are not to hold back on God with our worship. We come with appreciation and anticipation and adoration for our God. You know, when we are in God's presence, uh, we should come with this kind of love and this kind of passion for God. You know, during the holiday season, some of y'all will have this problem that many of us have and many uh, of our children have, that we have to go shopping for people who have everything. And that gets on your nerves and you say, what can I give someone who has everything? 
And the reality is, what can we give a God <laughs> that has everything? He holds the world in his hand. What can we give God? Let me tell you, thanksgiving, praise, adoration. I promise you, if your parents have everything, if you come with thanksgiving and adoration, it will make them happy. Well, the same thing with our God. When we come together, lift up holy hands, thanking him for all he's done in our life, it pleases our God. That's the best we have for a God that has everything. We learned this in elementary school, y'all. You know we did. Here it is. If you're happy and you know it, do what? If you're happy and you know it, if you're happy and you know it, and you really want to show it, if you're happy and you know it, does God make anybody happy in here? Good God Almighty. That's elementary to praise. Your clap is elementary. Lord have mercy. Thanksgiving is wondrous response, watch this church, to God. Thanksgiving is wondrous response, here it is, to God's identity. When we stand in wonder of God's identity, that's our response and our praise. Here, look at verse 3. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. The psalmist says our response starts, watch this, y'all, with knowing that we are standing in the presence of God. Not just his presence, but his isness. <laughs> we are standing and his isness. What, what is his isness? He is God. The Hebrew Bible calls him Elohim. 2,500 times they call, the Hebrew Bible says Elohim. His isness. You know what his isness is, right? When they tried to identify him, remember Moses went to him and said, what should we call we? How do we identify you? He says, I am that I am. He says, I am whatever you need me to be. <laughs> Elohim means I'm the God. So when you are in his presence, when you identity connect with his identity, he's whatever you need in this moment. See, everybody is in a different place, but he's so much God, he can be all of that at one time. If you're sick, <laughs> he's Jehovah Rapha. If, you're, if you need healing, he, he's, a, he's Jehovah Rapha. He's Jehovah Nisi, your banner. He's Jehovah, your strength. He's whatever you need him to be. Elohim. But here is the word Elohim in the text. It means God is in control. This word Elohim, when we worship, is an act of giving God control. He says, Jehovah, Lord God. See, we don't mind worshiping God, 
but every now and then we struggle with him being Lord. Because what happens is we, we want to give God something, but lordship says I am in control of all things. See, the problem with our worship, we come with some things to God and some things we want to hold on to. And then we wonder why our worship is not where it could be because when we come to worship, we should be giving God everything. Y'all trying to be cute on me this morning. But this idea of Elohim is that we come to worship giving God full control over our lives. Can I ask you a question this morning? Does God have control over every area? Your marriage, your children, your family, your mind. God wants control. Elohim is our worship saying, God, our church, our politics. Does God have control over every area of our lives? We identify him as Lord. He says he is God that is in control of all things. Because watch this. He says he is the one that created all things. Not only is he the one, his psalmist says he created all things, but he is the good shepherd. We know who the good shepherd is. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, the one that's in control, the one that guides and leads and directs your life. That's God. When we worship and we lift up hands and we praise together, we are saying, God, you have full control over my life. You are the creator of the world, but also you are the one that is the shepherd that guides and leads the direction of our lives. Can I ask you a question this morning? Don't, don't, don't be so caught up in ideas of raising your hands in worship because I want you to understand that's one of the most strongest postures we can have in worship. Because when we lift our hands, we're saying, God, I can't, but you can. Lord have mercy. Because some of us are, are caught up, bundled up, tightened up right now because you are trying to. And God is saying, give it to me. I'm Elohim. Give me control. Because you can't. But I can. I dare you this morning, online, to lift your hands and give God control over it. Give it to him. Give it to him. I dare you. You can't, but God can. The psalmist it's very clear that he says he's the creator, but he's also the shepherd who guides and directs our lives. Thanksgiving is wonder's response to God's identity. He's Elohim. He's God. But second thing, Thanksgiving is the response of God's presence. It is the response to God's presence. Listen to the psalm. He says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. And in his courts with praise, give thanks to him and praise him. When we identify God, and the psalmist says, enter his gate. Anytime you see gate, it oftentimes refers to Jerusalem or a place. It's literally a door that you enter in. That when we enter a door, when we enter the door, that we enter into this door, this gate, Shahar, means at a city or a town. 
Each time it's used in the Old Testament, it refers to a city, a town. The thought here is Jerusalem, the presence of God, the place where God lives. That when we enter the place where God lives, God, we should praise him. But here's the problem. Oftentimes we have a difficult time lifting our hands and praising God because we come to God with our agenda. Our praise and our worship should be agendaless. We should have our hands up and our hearts open to what it is that God has for us. Our praise and our worship when we come to church should not have an agenda. Y'all struggling with that, so let me work here a little bit. I do have an agenda, Pastor Coy. I work in church. I, I give my life and I work in the church, and so that's my agenda. I come here to do what I'm supposed to do. But this is the problem, Alan, and this is where it gets tricky. We can work in the kingdom and still miss God's presence. See, worship has more to do, watch this, because I love the cerebral piece, has more to do with mindfulness than it does busy being. <laughs> it has more to do with mindfulness than movement. So for all of y'all who are saying divorce yourself from emotionalism, let me say it again. It has more to do with mindfulness than movement. Can I prove it to you? Here it is. In Luke chapter 10, there were two sisters, one named Martha, one named Mary. Jesus comes in, bring God's presence, enters her house. They didn't enter God's presence. God enters their presence. Watch this. One was working and one was worshiping. Martha was moving, but distracted. Ma Mary was sitting still and mindful. Let me help us understand something. When we enter God's gates with thanksgiving, our minds, our focus has to be on God. And I know we say, I'm working for God. But your work can also be a distraction if you're missing the very fact that you are in God's presence. Listen what Jesus says. He doesn't go into the argument rather work or worship is wrong, but listen to what he says. He says, see, this is what Martha she said. Jesus, will you tell Mari to stop sitting around? while I'm cooking the turkey and Thanksgiving meal and everybody else doing whatever they, can you get her to help me? And this is what Jesus says. Listen, Martha, listen. Mary is doing the better thing. The better thing is her mind is taking in what it is that God is doing in this moment. Here's a question for you right now. What is God doing in this moment right now? What is God's move right now 
in this Advent season for your life. We come, why would God put all these different people from different walks of life together to do what? Run around and not put our mindfulness on God? What would it look like? with all these walks of life, different experiences, that our minds would be focused on God, fully in his presence. This is not emotionalism. This is cerebral. <laughs> this is mindfulness. The first thing he says is that our response has to be from God's identity. The second thing is, we are living in the presence of God. This is God's presence. But the last thing I see is that we find ourselves in response to God's character. This is the reality. Come on, worship team. Regardless of what you're going through, regardless of what life been, regardless of how things have been over the years, God's character is he is good. God is good. Watch this. Here's the reality. Life is hard, but God is good. God is good doesn't mean life is not hard. His character doesn't change, church. So we worship him, watch this, in the hardness because he's consistent, but life keeps moving. His goodness, his love, his mercy endures forever. So I didn't come here to preach a watered-down doctrine that you can praise your way out of your situation. No, you're going to live through your situation and lift your hands knowing that God has the end of the story. That's what our praise is. I come to tell you You've got to connect with people in worship because somebody's situation feels like it's over now. And when we connect together in worship, we are in God's presence. It helps the reality of how you feel to understand that God has another move. I dare you look at your neighbor and say, God's got another move. God's got another move. God's got another move. God's got another move. If you would just understand God's got another move, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know they're not, I know it's not the way you thought it would be. He's got another move, church. He's got another move. What do you do in the waiting? You worship. You praise him as if you know he's got another move. See, I'm, listen, I'm preaching waiting on God to have another move for people in my family. So what do I do? I connect with the body of Christ. I enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise because his love, his mercy endures forever. The situation's not good, but God is good. He's not finished. I dare you to worship him this morning. I'm pushing you this morning. 
Worship him. However your posture of worship is, worship him this morning. Repeat these words, his mercy. I'm done. I'm done. 